it is the final morning, the last morning before it all ends. That's right, it's the season finale of mornings here on Cloak and Jabber. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And you are listening to Cloak and Jabber, a Cloak and Dagger podcast. We are going to be talking about the last episode of season two, Level Up. It's all come down to this, Pete. How are you feeling? Oh, man. What a way to end it. Wait, I, I can't, <laughs> like, what a way to end it, like, you like the ending, or what a way to end it, like, oh, what a way to end it. Well, they'll have to listen and find out. Oh, a little bit of a teaser. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say it's been interesting watching your journey going over the course of the season, because you did not like season one at all. Did I not. love season one. Yep. Justin, our third host, who unfortunately is not here this week, uh, also loved season one and season two, but you've been enjoying this quite a bit, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just a big part of Tandy being on board with the program and what's going on instead of... Right. So you like the fact that you don't like it when characters develop, but you like it when they're developed. Well, I don't like it when someone's someone's being an asshole the whole time. Yeah, and just mean to the people trying to help them. That bothers me. Huh? So if say somebody was just yelling at their co-hosts on a podcast and being like, "Fuck you, fuck you guys, I hate this thing, fuck you," and we're like, "Wait, let's try to explain it," you wouldn't let you. Oh, uh, you like lost that? me there. It doesn't. I don't see the. <laughs> there's yeah, no one. To yeah, one. yeah. I don't see how. Where, what you made a leap. I there's a podcast I listen to that's like that. It's oh, very weird. frustrating. I bet. I bet. It's got to be real tough. I mean, as long as the podcast didn't go on for like years and years, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I really like the season a lot. It is not what I expected at all coming out of season one. Um, I like the fact that they expanded the cast quite a bit. I liked what they did with the villains. It was in a very different way, much deeper. Like the first season really dug into the characters, but this dug into what it means to be a hero in a very different way than a lot of other shows have. Like they threw in the vigilante, should we be vigilantes or not? Mm -hmm. But they actually hit it, I think, in the right way, which I was very surprised about and I enjoyed. I also am glad that they kind of lean into race and, you know, Mm -hmm. what it's like. Uh, you know, the black versus white, especially when it comes to the police. And oh, is that what racism is? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I thought maybe it was something different. Cool. <laughs> what? I don't know what you want from I that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just like that the fact that they don't hide from it. They deal with it. It comes up. It's a reoccurring thing, which is great. And I'm glad that they, I do, I feel like they do a good job of dealing with things on the show. Yeah, I agree. Uh, And I like what they did with the characters. As I said, the villains were great. Ty and Tandy were great. They really grew a lot in a very organic way over the course of the season, while not losing sight of their inherent traumas, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, I also really liked... I mean, unfortunately, we had a death, you know, which was sad, but uh, I like what the they're doing with some side characters and uh, and how that's going to unfold. Yeah, the only character that I feel like lost a bit other than one episode in a touch was Father Delgado. Mm-hmm. There's a point towards the end of the episode where he shows up again, and I was like, all right, that guy. Well, oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was that one episode where you saw his downfall as he ended up on the street. I thought that was great and heartbreaking. Yeah. But otherwise, he was just sort of there as a plot device. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping wherever we go in season three, and we'll talk a lot more about that later, we get to see more of him and more of the rest of the characters. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I also really liked 
where mayhem ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. It was it, kind of sweet, that whole, well, you know, we'll talk about it, but that whole CAT scan moment was really nice. Yeah. So uh, let's get into the recap, and then we'll do our next section, which is some notes on the previous episode. Uh, so... <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. You want to start with the... I feel like we should start no, with no, talking no. about the last... No, no, no. We'll start with the recap of the episode. Oh, so okay. uh, so it sets a nice groundwork for what Brett Macris has to tell us. If you, if you say so. I think it will. Lots of stuff going on. Ty and Tandy are the divine pairing. They have complementary powers. Ty can teleport. He can also send people into the lower dimension, uh, which is accessible through his cloak powers. Uh, and he can enter people's fears. Meanwhile, Tandy can create light daggers. She can also do a little bit of a Dukin thing going on. And yeah, she can. That is your favorite thing on the show. I absolutely <laughs> don't. And uh, she also can enter people's hopes. Uh, together, they can enter different areas of the lower dimension, different doors. Uh, but it's only when they're working together. Uh, they have been working against a character named Andre Deshane, a.k.a. Despair, Despair got headaches back in the day, ended up falling into the water that gave during a Roxxon plant explosion, the same explosion that gave Ty and Tandy their powers. Yes, Pete. Migraines, not headaches. There's a difference. Oh, sure. There is a big difference. I get headaches. I don't get migraines. Yeah. I get regular people with migraines. Yeah. I mean, that's that's or it's a big difference. Yeah, it is. Well, I've honestly like I've lived with headaches most of my life, but I know there's a difference between the headaches that I get, even when they're like, oh, I feel like I want to vomit all the time, mm-hmm. and people who get regular migraines. Yeah, so it's interesting. Yeah, there you go. Thanks for clarifying. Well, it's just people who deal with migraines. It's you know, it's a big, it's a huge issue and a part of their life. You know? Yeah. And the other thing you should know about Andre is he plays jazz, the most evil form of music. Hey, watch your goddamn mouth. No, this show has conclusively proven that jazz is evil. Fuck you, jazz is not evil. I think we were watching different shows. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. That he might be a jazz player who happens to be evil, but jazz is not evil, my friend. It's beautiful. I don't know. Jazz does seem to be evil. I'm just going to say, like, it <laughs> controls people. It nope. zaps them out of the city. Nope. What Andre is doing, uh, he was able to unlock a door in the lower dimension and become, according to his own definition, a god. He uh, has been making people in New Orleans disappear while he plays a blue note, which is an impossible note that goes from major and very quickly turns minor, uh, which we talked about in the previous episode. Plus, it's a nod to jazz music, the blue note, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the blue note club and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, but the, the blue note club is called the blue note club after the blue note, which is a note that you expect to go major, but actually goes minor. Yeah. That's the actual technical term. That's where it comes from. Nice. I'm glad that you got technical on it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. There's also blue note, like uh, the label, you know, records, stuff like I that. I need to understand ja- jazz in order to destroy it. Oh, fuck you, man. <laughs> I got real excited about that beginning of that sentence, and then you broke my heart. I'm really sorry about Just that. Just like jazz. Ooh, blue note. <laughs> so uh, Andre uh, has the power to suck the hope out of people. He has done this through a human trafficking ring that Ty and Tandy have been working to uh, take down over the course of the season. Uh, he sucks the hope out of people. Uh, Ty and Tandy made a bunch of moves to take this down. Uh, Tandy, and actually with Ty, helped take down a place called the Viking Motel, which was basically pimping these girls out. Yeah. Uh, while Ty confronted a bunch of drug dealers 
a couple of episodes back and I had a very specific conversation with him where he said, hey, listen, you guys, I know I can't stop the drug trade in New Orleans. I'm just one dude, but you need to stop giving drugs to these girls because this is allowing them to be stolen. It's allowing them to be kidnapped and you can't do that anymore. So he made that small move. Uh, Also helping them, excuse me, Slash working against them is a character named Bridget O'Reilly, a.k.a. Mayhem. Now, Bridget died at the end of the last season. She was killed by a detective named Connors, who was a crooked detective uh, who was later trapped inside Ty's cloak. Um, Bridget came back to life again because of this energy from Roxanne, found herself split into two, but she became integrated while part of the lower dimension, and she's been wrestling with her Bridget part, which is her good part, and Mayhem, which is her vigilante, reckless part, her bad part, um, and tried to figure out that. Uh, They've been working with a doctor named Mina, who they met in the previous season, in order to figure this out. Mina is an expert in the Roxanne energy, and she's been really delving into that of trying to figure out why did Bridget and Mayhem split? What happened to her? How did this happen? How can they get back together? Um, as it turns out, they just got back together. Now, I mentioned Connors. Connors was trapped inside of the cloak. While he was in there, he repented. He seemingly reformed himself, came out, uh, was going to confess to a murder that he had framed Ty for that had sent Ty on the run. But after getting a confession, Ty's mother seemingly killed Connors. We left on a cliffhanger. Yes, she uh, did. Well, I had certainly speculated that Connors was still alive because we never really got to see that bullet or anything. We find out a little bit differently in this episode. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, you can't. I, I thought she did a great job. You know, you, you can't just kill her son. Yeah, I mean, walk away clean. The other thing that we should probably mention is inside the lower dimension, there's a couple of different areas. There's a gas station, which is essentially the way station where there's a guy named, what is it, Papa Begbie? Yep, something like that. Sure, could be. uh, Who uh, sent you on your way. Uh, One of those places is a mall, and in the mall is a record store. The record store previously was filled with all of these records that were the hopes that Andre DeShane had stolen from people. So there you go. It's always sad to see them all empty. Yeah. Oh, and the last thing you should probably know is that Tandy's father was an abusive asshole. Uh, he never beat her, so she didn't actually know about it, uh, but he did beat Tandy's mother, and Tandy's mother was one of the people who stole it. Oh, the last character you should probably actually know about is Avita, a.k.a. Emoji Girl. Emoji Girl. Uh, she is the ex-girlfriend of Ty. Oh, come on, dude. It, she is. Come on, dude. She gave up the relationship come on. because she got married to Voodoo. Oh. She married Voodoo. I'm sorry. She married Baron Samdi. Yeah, but it's not over. There's still hope. I got some notes about that for you later. We'll, we'll get to it at the end you, of the episode. Uh, so now we're going to get into my favorite section of the show. This is notes from Brett Macris, our New Orleans correspondent. He gives us notes on the previous episode. And to that end, we don't have his notes for episode 10. So we will do one more episode of this Cloak and Dagger podcast with his notes and maybe some predictions for the next season of the show. Uh, but as is, these are Brett's notes for season two, episode nine. He says, aside from Blue Note, oh, there you go. This is exactly what you just said, Pete. Where'd you get that information from? Aside from Blue Note being the I didn't mi- read it ahead of time. No, I knew that. No spoilers? All right. Aside from Blue Note being the minor note when you're expected to play a major and also slang in the jazz world, meaning pushing yourself harder as an artist, it's also the name of one of the most famous jazz record labels in the world. I only mention it because a lot of big New Orleans musicians are signed to Blue Note Records. 
Everybody loves Nora Jones, right? Nora Jones? Yeah? Okay, yeah, she's kind of bad. Okay, she's awful. Sorry. Uh, We see Andre walking through what looks like an empty street between two darkly lit buildings. As he struggles with his headache, you get a view of a massive graffiti tag reading SEMA on an overhead walkway behind him. He's actually walking through an abandoned Navy base called the Edward Herbert Defense Complex in the Bywater. The outer walls of the base are covered in graffiti murals and barbed wire to keep them out, but it does little good. Seema is one of the local graffiti artists around town. It was abandoned in 2011 and has since started falling into ruin exponentially. I'm surprised they got the lights on. We see Andre contemplating suicide 92 months ago. I'm glad we're aging show timelines like a single mother aging her first child. I think Justin mentioned that last episode. Uh, It's like Andre standing in a building on the West Bank, which is opposite the Mississippi River, but the Roxxon explosion happens, and I can't figure out what this show is doing. Previously, the Roxxon explosion took place on Lake Pontchartrain, which is a good distance north of where he's standing. This seems like a TV magic moment, or maybe they're placing the Roxxon rig just outside the city to the south where the Mississippi meets the ocean, but I think it's just TV magic. Ty and Tandy head into the weird hospital in the dark below and then down into a concert hall. That hall is the Orpheum Theater on the corner of Canal and Rampart. The inside is beautiful, and they host most of the big acts and performances in New Orleans. I kind of wish that Club Delight, where Andre gives his final performance, was a real thing. The story behind it may be true. An old historic club burned down and then relocated, but I can't find anything on it. Where they actually end up is in the Bywater. This is one of the first episodes I had to do research for. Most of the places I just recognized, but time around, they got a little more obscure. This was a good one. See you for your season finale, which is when you'll be hearing Alex read this. So welcome to the season finale. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. Uh, again, awesome as always. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get into this episode. Let's talk about this episode, unless you have any questions about what was going on with Brett or anything like that. No, no, no pretty clear. Now you're good to go. I mean, it's just that was a funny Nora Jones joke. I mean, you know, Miles Davis is probably the most famous Blue Note recording artist. I never heard of him. Is he a? He's a famous jazz player. Yeah. I don't pay attention to evil people, people. Oh, you're ridiculous. So we actually start off, and this was such an interesting choice for the finale, uh, with a character we've never seen before, dressed in a bee mask, robbing a place. Uh, What did you think about this beginning, Pete? Well, it was interesting. Uh, I liked the music for the beginning. It was Take On Me, right? Yeah. Uh, Now, that comes back at the end as well. Yeah, it does nicely. Just comes up a little bit and then fades out. I love what they do with the music in this show. And I think this was Olivia Holt singing Take On Me. I'm not 100% sure about that, but she's sung a couple of songs that they've done on the show, so it would certainly make a certain amount of sense. Um, What do you take away from the choice of Take On Me? I thought it was a good choice. I don't know. I always go to the video where you're going into, they're going into another dimension, they're walking through a mirror, and that's something that does actually happen halfway through the show, where they go through this mirror and they come out differently than they were before. So that was where my brain goes. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna just stick with that. I'm gonna say that's what happens. Okay. Uh, so we see the robber. Uh, she zaps out of existence, and then we go to the club where Andre is playing his horn. Well, also, the it was funny because the cops also zapped out of existence. Right. And it was a fun humor moment where the people were sitting in the car looking at the cop. And was, what would I take away from that? What I get from that is we're just setting up the stakes for the episode, right? right. We're seeing that. 
it's not just around Ty and Tandy where people are disappearing. It's also New Orleans is disappearing. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut back to Ty and Tandy. They're standing at the scene, not of the crime, but where they tried to stop the crime. And they realize that they have unsuccessfully stopped uh, Andre. He's lying there. He's prone, but he's left his body. He's gone to the lower dimension. Uh, and then we cut over to Mina, who is working with Mayhem slash Bridget, trying to figure out what's going on with yeah. her. She is uh, slowly becoming one of my favorite characters on this show. She, they're great. Uh, now, I did an interview for work with uh, Joe Pekaski, who's the showrunner for the show. And I asked him, this is jumping ahead to the end, but Ty and Tandy are headed to a very different place at the end of the show. So I was concerned we were going to lose Ali Maki, that we were going to lose Emma Lahana. Uh, he said definitively not. He was like, if you have actresses like Ali Maki and Emma Lahana, you want to work with them. Yeah. And he said, if you watch this scene in particular, you will see we're setting up something. We're setting up a relationship there in terms of where that's going. Cool. So, yeah. So if there is a season three, I think we'll see more of that. Yeah, I really thought it was kind of sweet to see Mayhem kind of get excited and even hopeful about, uh, you know, her kind of evolution. Right. But then, of course, uh, Mita pops out of existence yeah. as well. Things are getting worse. I also thought it was interesting, and I understand it was a plot thing, but the only ever so slightly contrived thing for me was that our main characters didn't pop out. Like, they were still there to save everything, you know? You wanted one of them to disappear? Yeah, I think it so. It was like the Thanos snap you wanted, you know? It was like, why did you leave all six Avengers? That's interesting. <laughs> what, an, what an interesting thing, Thanos. Why'd you do that? <laughs> um, but I understand. I mean, you could probably excuse it, and I'm sure there's something with, like, they're they're the divine pairing. They're tied to this energy, so they can't be affected by it. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I would think so. Right. So then, uh, Ty and Tandy go to try to find Emoji Girl and talk to her. There's a very fun moment where they're arguing outside her place. Outside her place. Oh, come on, guys. Yes, and she's like, "Yo, there are thin slats separating." I can us. hear you. Yes. So that was great. Uh, yeah. And then they go back to the church, and Emoji Girl. <laughs> what was that? Staple guns. Tie yeah. to the floor. Or also, like why does Ty have to be like laying there? You know what I mean? Take this cloak off. I don't know. And then staple it. It was just such a weird thing where she was like straddling him right. and stapling it, which I was like, that's huh? some sort of kink I've never heard huh? of. Huh? Come on, guys. Wait, what is this hand movement you're doing? What? Like I'm just, I'm excited. Fondling. It's like you're fondling what something. What the fuck? I no, was just, you're the one doing the gross hand movement. I, I was just. Being excited that maybe there's some chemistry going back on between Emoji No, Girl she is and married to Voodoo. We've already established this. Anyway. That's not a real marriage, man. I don't know. You're legally Jedi married, so yeah, you don't have a lot of length. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> so Ty and Teddy go through the door. They go into the lower dimension. It is wrecked. Like I really like the effects of how the door appeared. Right? That was great. That was very cool. That it was yeah. the cloak shape and yeah. everything. It was such a nice little detail. But yeah. that's one of the things this show does so well is those little well, details. You know, in the beginning, the cloak smoke kind of was a little weird to me. Mm -hmm. And but now I really like it. Really? Yeah. What changed for you then? Well, I think in the beginning it was just weird the way it was hitting the light or the lighting of it, but I think they're getting really a lot better at dealing with it, and I think it's come across. I think in the beginning, if you watch like the first season, the cloak smoke's uh -huh. a little weird looking. 
I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they've improved the algorithms for the effect and everything as they've gotten used to it. Yeah. Uh, so then Ty and Tandy are in there, and Tandy realizes that their way to get to the mall is broken. Uh, Baron Begby or Mr. Pig Pie or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, not there. I know this is very ex- insulting to whoever worships voodoo or anything like that. Uh, but then Ty gives a great speech to Tandy where he's like, hey, you are the biggest badass I know. You're amazing. You can do anything. You'll figure this out. Yeah, a little pump-up speech. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I yeah. like them oh. throughout this episode. Yeah, I also liked how, uh, you know, I was a little disappointed how quick she was ready to give up because it's like, uh, guys, people are disappearing. Also, your mom, Dandy, you can't be like, I, I quit. And I was like, well, take it easy. Yeah. But I think Ty did a great job of also pointing out the daggers. Uh, you know, that was a oh, cool moment. I love that moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, so he gives this speech where uh, he says, listen, you don't create knives. You create daggers. They're halfway between a knife and a sword. They can be either, and so can you. Yeah. And then he pulls out a pile of pennies, as one does. As you do. As you do. And she creates her own vivet, which he's been creating over the course of the season, in order to help her point her way to the mall, which she successfully does. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was just nice. Like, yeah. it was a nice little moment that brings together both Also, of I like the way he kind of, like, looks up and smiles. Oh. Yeah. That was like, he knew. Yeah, I'll cool. tell you what. That guy, very charming. Yeah. Yeah. His, his Even smile. his evil, like, when he was playing the evil cop version of him. Right. Later, it was very kind of. Oh, he's great. Yeah. Uh, you know, some people on our Patreon Slack were talking a little bit about how Aubrey Joseph is a little bit of a mumble mouth. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what it is. I think he just sort of talks slow and slow and yeah. very fluid and mellifluously. And uh, I don't know. I think that's what his voice is. I don't personally have a problem with it. Yeah, I don't either. But it was fun to see his kind of. When he was playing evil version, this cadence changed, which yep. was interesting. Uh, so they wander through the mall. Uh, they're looking around trying to figure out what's going on while Avita back at the church is fighting as some shadows start crawling up at her. Yeah. Super creepy. Yeah, I got real scared, but then the cool reveal. Mayhem comes out Mayhem and saves her. shows up, kicks yeah. some ass. Now, what do you think about this? Do you think, like... Uh, uh, I, I certainly have a feeling about it, but do you think this mayhem redemption was earned at this point? Yeah. I also really liked how the first, like, shadow creature she beat up, like, you couldn't really see. Yeah. And it was kind of freaking me out that I was like, guys, she just kicked somebody into the corner, and then you're acting like, yeah, okay, they're gone <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, guys, they're, no, they're, they're shadows. Yeah, like there's a body in the corner, but then they kind of got it explained when more and more people started showing up. Yeah. Uh, then back in the mall, though, we get one of the coolest moments of the entire series. Uh, Ty and Tandy reach for the mirror, and we've seen this previously where Tandy had seen various versions of herself in the mirror in the lower dimension and had to choose one. Uh, Again, this is from talking to Mr. Brokowski, uh, but he said they actually filmed that sequence with Ty and Tandy, and they spent days on it and tried different variations and be like, okay, do we show them like this? Do they choose a look? And ultimately we're like, nope, let's scrap all of those days of work and just cut from them looking at it. You never get to see it. And then the reveal on the escalator. See, that was weird for me because I was like, what, they just changed? 
Yeah, the, I think it was implied. That's what I liked about it. Like, you knew what was happening if it you threw had... threw me for a second where I was sure. like, did I miss something? Did I... Yeah. It's definitely a moment where it's like, you better have been watching this show. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to have no idea what's going on here. Uh, but I liked it. Uh, what did you think of their costume reveals? Yeah, it was kind of like, that's how they suited up. Yeah. And it was funny because... Ty called you. He was like, he's in his pump up speech. He was like, "You're a badass ballerina." Yeah. So her wearing that outfit was kind of cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. I like that choice a lot because the and they've talked about this in interviews, but the dagger costume for the comics makes no sense on screen. Like it would actually be very derivative and dismissive and yeah. demeaning for potentially for a woman to wear on screen. So them taking her history and turning it onto this riff on the dagger costume that's based on a ballerina. Awesome. The cloak costume a little easier since he's kind of warded already. Right. I think that um, hopefully her costume evolves a little bit. So it's, she doesn't always have to wear a ballerina costume where it's like a little bit, I don't know, like more, Fighty, I guess is the word. I I'm guess so. Yeah. I don't know. You could fight in that. You definitely can. She does great in it. Yeah, there's but, tights. It's like a little bit of a short skirt, so it's not going to drag on your knees or anything like right, that. Right, but the I just worry about the kind of frilly thing getting caught on. I'll stuff. tell you what. I wish we had any female listeners uh, because then they could weigh in on this. But unfortunately, we don't. How do you? What? No, I'm that? kidding. I'm kidding. If there are any female listeners who uh, see Tandy's outfit and have any opinions. Let us know on Twitter at Cloak Jabber before the next episode. Curious to get your take on it because uh, nothing against you, Pete. Neither of us wear outfits like that, so yeah. they might have a better beat on it. Sure, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just saying if I'm going to get in a fight, that that little part I feel, I feel would annoy me. I I'm, I'm telling you what I've seen you in a fight and you've worn a tiny frilly dress. <laughs> so yeah, I mean you know when fights break out, it's whatever I was I'm wearing. Yeah. But, and ninety percent of the time, you're wearing a tidy frilly dress. That's a good point, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, if you're going to suit up, you know, maybe, maybe. But know. also, cloak. To be fair, cloak is wearing a cloak, which is way clumsier than whatever Tandy is wearing. That's true, but that also has He's a, power. Like a heavy sequined coat yeah. cloak that's going to get caught on a bunch of stuff. It, but that you can't I'm not shocked. wear the cloak because he's. But I'm he shocked there wasn't power. a scene where, like, he gets the bottom of it caught in a car door. Or is like, oh, oh crap. God, oh, come on. No, don't pull away. Yeah. Don't, hold on. Hold on. Taxi. Taxi. Tandy, don't... Hold up a sec. I got a situation here. <laughs> yeah. Cloak's main villain in the comics is car doors. Oh, my God. It's true. You clearly haven't read any of the comics. So you yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, but then we uh, they approach Andre in the club, and he's like, oh, nope, not going to come in here. I'm going to get you guys out of the way. And Tandy and Ty get faced with their ultimate enemies, their greatest fears. Uh, and I thought Tandy's is very straightforward, right? It's her dad who is yeah. back and is like, you're never going to amount to anything. Uh, you're my sweet girl, but uh, you don't count. You're nothing. Uh, Ties is way more complicated and way more interesting where it is him as a cop taking down himself. Yeah. And what I took away from that was ultimately it's him selling out, right? It's him buying into the white majority of the world who's like, yep, do whatever we're going to say. We're cops. We run the place. Uh, and betraying everything that he stands for. Also, like, it's an evil version of himself 
and he hates cops because of what they did to his brother. Yeah. So that kind of makes it worse, like a worse version of him, too. Yeah. I also, I liked the smallness of this, like the personalness yeah. of what was going on throughout this episode, that you do have this big overwhelming thing, like season one where you had zombie apocalypse, right? That was yeah. a huge apocalypse. Here, same sort of thing where New Orleans is being threatened, half of it is disappearing, they're all, everybody's going to this club. Again, jazz, very evil, evil thing that they're Stop doing. Stop saying that. No, it is, though. Stop uh, and saying that. But they keep it completely focused on Ty and Tandy the entire time, which I thought was cool. Yeah, yeah. And I also, it didn't feel anticlimactic at all. You know, like, sometimes you feel like, oh, well, what's the big thing they got to fight at the season? What's great is they're kind of dealing with their personal issues. The other thing that I loved about this sequence, and again, this is just really paying off the intelligence of the viewer without saying anything, is they proceeded to fight these characters through all of the sets that they visited yeah. over the course of the season. Yeah. We got to see the police station. We got to the see the hotel. motel. Yeah. We got to see the greenhouse that Tandy was in briefly. Yeah. Uh, the house, uh, Ty's house uh, from the his actual house, but also his house from the dream sequence. Uh, and it's great. And then this cuts between we get to see mayhem, like you mentioned earlier, fighting these cops, these masked cops. Very cool. Yeah. And it was a great back and forth. And we also got some cool fight music. Uh, but yeah, I also really liked how the characters are also evolving and they're like, all right, we got to switch things up. So mm-hmm. they switched partners. So that way. That's great. Classic superhero thing. Yeah. Classic acts of vengeance move. Well, it was just like such a cool being like, all right, let's just switch. You know, like yeah. I'm don't want to fight myself. It would be easier if you fought me. Well, and that's what they have realized over the course of the season, right? Is they don't need to fight their battles alone. Yeah, they have exactly. each other. And, and that was the cool thing about like them as they're starting to win mm-hmm. and like talk down, but talk, but talk about the other person in such a great way. It was touching and powerful and badass. All at the same time. And at the same time, you get to see Mayhem finally dealing with her issues with her dead boyfriend yeah. in the form of one of these ghost cops, and she blows him up. That was awesome. That was great. I was a little iffy on the idea that she put on a helmet, and that was the thing that protected her from a grenade explosion, Yeah, because she's got a whole soft body around there, you know? Like, it's not just the head. Yeah, and also, it was like a shadow helmet. Why would it not disappear when the dude blew up? I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just like a temporary, like it held there for a second, and then it disappeared. Okay. Also, it was probably a shadow grenade at that point. Yeah. So it was no big deal all around. Uh, yeah, I didn't know why <laughs> it really exploded. If it, Yeah, it was, yeah. So the other thing that's going on here, we had uh, Ty and Tandy play a video game a couple of episodes back, mm-hmm. uh, and this takes the same format, where they go through three levels, they keep approaching the boss at the end of the level, Andre, and he's like, nope, another level, and they go through it. Ultimately, they do switch partners back, I think, right? That No, basically, he sees them winning, Andre, and he appears and is like, no, fuck this, right. you guys are winning. And he switches it back, so they have to fight themselves again. Right. So we get to see uh, Ty facing down himself yeah. in the 
Uh, I'm sure Brent will have a note about this, but Cloak Factory is what I want to call it. Yeah. That's definitely not what it is. Uh, while Tandy faces down her father. Um, and again, it's kind of incredible to have a superhero finale where there is all this fighting, but it's ultimately just people talking to each other. The yeah. time. Also, uh, she says... We've got a level up, which is the title of the show. <laughs> did you lose it? Yeah, I started clapping. I did the family yeah, guy. It bit. was a little weird that she turned to camera and winked when that happened. Yeah, yeah. That was but weird. I liked it. Yeah. Me too. I liked it. I was really I also angry. liked how her uh dagger leveled up. Yes. She got the sword. Yes. Love that moment. Yeah. Uh, and it ties back to, like we said, what Ty was saying is that she can be either. She can be a knife, she can be a sword, she can be anything. Yeah. And she a chi ball. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what it is? Well, I don't know. Chi ball? I don't know. Uh, and the sword does allow her to face down her father, which is great, but yeah. then it leads to an amazing moment later on. Uh, after they've beat their singular antagonists, uh, they go back to the club yeah. to face down Andre. What was great was she threw... She realized the daggers don't work on him, so she started hitting the friends in the room to give them hope. Yes. Uh, and that also tied back to something Ty said earlier in the episode, where yeah. he's like, that's not what your power is. Your power is about hope. Yeah. And she realized that she doesn't have a offensive weapon. Well, it is offensive, but it's in a different way. It's yeah. not about killing people. It's not about murdering people. Uh, she is able to hurt Andre a little bit, but like you said... She's able to bring them hope through the daggers. Uh, another yeah. thing, I think you mentioned this before we were recording, but she ends up using the Hadouken on Andre, and you were like, bright light is bad for migraines. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a real... Do you think that was purposeful? Because I know you were joking about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, what's great is they're kind of, you know, dealing with migraines in an accurate way, you know, and... Bright- Do you get migraines? No, my girlfriend does. Oh, okay. And it, you know, she is always talking about like, uh, you know, how the lights affect her. Hmm. And so it was great that they knew that and then kind of used it. Yeah. Uh, so then we get that amazing moment uh, with the sword where Tandy jumps out of the cloak oh, and stabs him. Yeah, and then they had the cool line too, where it was just like, uh, you know, oh my god, I think I wrote it down, but it was. Uh, she, yeah, just one more thing or whatever, and just like jumps out. It was such a cool yeah. moment, and it, it would have like been a little cooler motion. if she was like knives to meet you. <laughs> uh, but then they use their powers together on Andre, and they send him back to the record store. He's sitting there sadly, and the stands are starting to fill up with his own records. Basically, they've used their hope and fear powers the same way that he used his hope-sucking powers to create a record for him, and they make him listen to, I guess it's his own fears back? Yeah. Essentially, which is very sad. Like, very sad. Like, he's irredeemable at this point, and that's fine, but it's also sad what happens to him, the saddest ways plays out, and that's the power of what they did with this arc, which I think is very nice, that you make you feel for a villain even at the same time you hate him, is very smart and very good. Um, yeah, and also liked how it was like listening to it wasn't enough. Like she fucked up the record, so it's skipping, oh, which yes. is so annoying. Like Awful. it just, yeah, just like 
it really just brought it up to a little bit. It was like made it so much worse, which was kind of a cool moment. Also, I, I liked how when she was fighting her dad, she did the Zorro moment. Where yes. She, yeah. Yeah, that was She great was as like, well. yeah, you're not even A or B, and then does the Z on his chest for Zorro. Which is pretty cool. So do you think she's Batman now? Is that what's happening? Well, you know, anything, she's working Anything on. could happen. Uh, and uh, then they escape as the lower dimension seemingly falls apart, and we start to check in with all the characters and find yeah. out what's going on with them. Uh, we get to see Ty's parents are back together, which is really nice. Well, they're sitting on the couch watching the news together. Right. You think they were just doing that and then leaving? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I hope they're getting back together. It was this very sweet moment. It was also cool to see what they were watching, which is that senator get arrested. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to see Tandy's mom is doing a little better. We also get to see the, I want to say, nurse, doctor. She yeah. was a doctor, actually, yeah. who was working with Andre, is in prison and trying to repair her life. Uh, and meanwhile, Mina is still working on her mice, trying to figure out the energy. Uh, again, big tease. Also, Mayhem had a nice moment in the shooting range. Yes. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but first, there's also Evita is drawing the vase on the graves again. She's back to the place where we first found her, which is kind of interesting. Uh, and Ty is bopping around and spying on everybody, seeing what's going on. Uh, I thought back it was, to what he was doing before. Yes. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting that she was back to zero, right? Like, and also drawing the vase that uh, Andre had... Uh, been so drawn to. We also get to see Father Degato, and this is another weird moment that I wasn't quite sure about. Father Degato throw, is getting his life back together, throws out a record, and the record is Andre's. Andre's. Like, do you think that was his real record that he made? Because we Maybe. saw him back in the day, approximately 92 months ago, making a record and recording stuff, so maybe. Uh, what's great was that was a powerful statement of just like, he has no control over me anymore. And then we get the moment you were talking about where Mayhem strings up the dead body of Connors in the yeah, shooting range. the cop shooting range. I felt very conflicted about that. No, dude, that's such a great message to be like, hey, if you're a dirty cop, I'm coming for you. I'm fucking Mayhem. This and is... I am going to... There's nobody safe. This Just because you're a cop doesn't mean you're safe. But this is the difference between you and me in terms of how we enjoy superhero stuff. Right. That's too far for me. What? I think that's too far. Like, I took it as the lesson of the season being you can reach redemption. You can do these things. And Connors did it, right? Like, he, he did manage to get out and push himself forward. Uh, and I would have wanted to see some sort of redemption versus him being killed and strung up or anything like that and made a lesson of you are smiling right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm having a great time. Oh, geez. Well, I just think it's one of those things where it's it's nice that he finally realized he's a complete asshole, but he's, I, I, done, it, he's done so much damage. Sure. And, and yes, to that point, he's killed multiple people. Maybe there is no coming back from that. Right. But and uh, we don't really know if he was changed or if he was no, putting out do, an act. No, he was not putting out an act. He yeah. was absolutely Could've changed. Could have been. Uh, to me, one of the powers of superhero fiction is everybody is ultimately redeemable. But I can see what how... What about the comic book Irredeemable? Uh, I... If I remember correctly, the point of that was that he was redeemable. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I um, mean, but, but that I said. Think maybe you need to 
Look up the definition of irredeemable. Uh, does it mean redeemable? I don't think it does. Mm-hmm. Okay. They seem like very similar words. Yeah, well. Uh, well, anyway, Connors is dead, so who cares? doesn't matter. He's <laughs> I up. just think that was a cool message to send to the cops, and you saw the cops' face, and they were smiling. It was weird to me that they were like, yeah, they nice, were like, yeah, yeah cool. Nah, nice, nice job. job. Not, we need to take down this dead body. We're going to yeah, have a like, lot of paper. Not like, hey, you can't <laughs> hang dead bodies in the shooting range. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's awful. Yeah. Please don't do that. Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> Just bring it in like a normal person. You know, somebody's got to say something in the next, you know, all hands meeting. Hey, guys, uh, you know, we, you know, you, it's important to be able to, you know, voice your opinions on things, but don't hang dead bodies in the shooting range. Yeah. Uh, and then we get one more scene of Ty checking in with the drug dealers, and he finds out that they are, in fact, following what they he asked them to do. They were nice. refusing business to the human traffickers. Again, a very complicated scene because, like, there's still human trafficking. There's still drug dealing. Those things are still happening. Um, but at the same time, um, at the same time, uh, yeah, he did have a victory. He got what he wanted. He got that small change that he needed. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, and then we end the episode, or it seems like we end the episode, with Tandy on a uh, bus by a herself. Bus by herself. Yeah. I was like, Wait, what the f- you guys were just great together, and then Tandy like pieces out on a bus. I loved every single thing about the last couple of minutes of this episode. I thought it was so fantastic the way that they played that, playing on your emotions exactly what you're saying, where yeah. you're like, what we the fuck? The- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were having such a great moment, and you ruined it. Where is she going? Yeah. What's going on with Ty? Why Are is they- Ty there? Why is this happening <laughs> yeah. to us? Uh, there's an empty seat next to her, but there's nobody sitting next to her. Yeah. Where's Ty? Where's Ty? Is he going to cloak in? Where's Ty? Where's Ty? Where's Ty? I didn't even think about cloaking in. I was so sure he was going to cloak in, and then when they cut the logo, I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, you're just going to end it with fucking Ty Tandy on a bus by herself? Yeah. And then we get the classic Marvel post credit sequence. Yeah. But it's an extended, it's a long one, and it's a beautiful yeah. one. So well staged, where, again, the way the camera is framed, it's showing Tandy on the right side, and you see the uh, empty space on the left side. The implication be either she's alone or Cloak is going to come in there. But then he's actually on the other side of her, and he comes in, she moves over, they sit down, they're leaving together. They're leaving town. They've been told by Bridget that there's dead girls on a beach somewhere out there and they're going to try to be heroes and they're going to try to figure out what that means. And before it all ends, you have that last moment where he's like, listen, I have one question for you. Waffles or pancakes. And I was like, yes. Oh, I love this so much because they brought back the waffles or pancakes. Yeah, I was like, where is this from? I completely forgot the waffles oh, and no, pancakes. It was, it was from the first episode of the season. Where they go into the club together, yeah. and they're like, hey, we have to pretend to be a couple. Couples always hold hands. Which do you prefer, waffles or pancakes? And they have all the conversation about that. One of them prefers waffles or pancakes. Uh, and they brought that back. And this time... What Andy said pancakes before, and now she says waffles because I like yeah, waffles. Yeah, because waffles is the one that's like, that's where you're really holding the person, where you're really with the person. Oh, and pancakes is the one where we're like, well, yeah. we're just kind of shaking hands. Yeah. It's just all business. And she says waffles. She uh, says waffles. And then, oh, this is such a subtle move. And it killed me. They do the waffles. And then Ty gives her like a double squeeze. Did you see that? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, just like this, like double sque- this heartbeat squeeze on her, and then they, he, she looks out the window. He's staring at her, and then as the bus rolls away, they have a classic graduate moment where they're like pausing, and then they sort of look out away from each other and like, oh god, now we're doing this thing. What's next? And that's where the season ends. Fantastic. I loved it. I don't know, man. I'm still pulling for emoji girl. You're pulling for emoji girl? Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. Also wrong, and it's not happening. How do you know? Well, again, this is from talking to Mr. Bukowski, um, but he confirmed, yes, this is official. This is Ty and Tanti moving from platonic to romantic. What? Yeah. And they're going to see where this goes. It's not going to be an easy path, but this is like 100% definitely the beginning of them on a romantic relationship. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for it. I don't know either, but I love them together, and I'm excited to see it. I'm also excited to see where they're going. You know? Like, the implication for the beach thing is certainly that they're heading to L.A. They're going to interact with the runaways, right? Because... Fans have wanted that for a while, and the casts of the two shows are very friendly with each other, so that would be a natural fit. Uh, But I almost think we're going to see more of, like, it's not that beach. It's going to be some sort of other beach, and they're going to slowly make their way either to the Marvel Netflix heroes or over to Hulu to interact with the Runaways or something like that. Oh, man. I don't know. It's pretty cool. I'm hoping they go to Harlem. Yeah. And I hang out with Luke. Are Cage. there any beaches in Harlem? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, or is it like a dog beach in, in a dog park? <laughs> yeah. They're like, couple of get a dead girls on a well, we're not gonna specify dog beach, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> uh yeah. I don't know, man. I just was like I'm very excited for the next season. Um it's just great to see them be using their powers being smart about how they fight things, you know. Uh, This is great. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad you're on board. I'm glad you like the show. I really do hope it gets a third season. I think it will, but it's a little iffy just in terms of the ratings, so we'll have to see what happens. Uh, As mentioned, we'll do one more episode of this where we talk about Brett's notes for the final episode. We'll also talk about speculation for season three if it does, in fact, happen, and hopefully Justin will be back for that one. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we'll be either a knife or a sword. We don't know which. Or a cloak. Or a cloak. Pete, what do you want to plug? Uh, friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live, also at Cloak Jabber, as mentioned. You can check out the show at comicbookclublive.com iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Play, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you for a little bit of cloak and a lot of jabber. Jabber.